the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hi, welcome back. Mayor Jolovitz with you, sitting in for Seth Leibson. I have a guest, special guest, uh, Dr. Jake Jacobs. Uh, Let me say hello first of all. Jake, uh, uh, a pleasure to have you with us. Well, hello, Mayor. It's a pleasure to be uh, with you tonight. Thank you. I'm not sure at what point you joined us, but I did an introduction. Uh, I gave uh, some of your credentials. I mentioned... uh, Again, I don't know if you were listening in, but I, I did mention the three books that you've written. I mentioned, of course, that by nature, by virtue of the uh, expertise that you have with mob rules and everything else, that you would be, of course, commenting on our good friend, Hawk Newsom, the proud Marxist, as I, I described, who has promised us riots, fire, and bloodshed. Um, I also mentioned, and I think it's important for people to know just so we can better respect him, that he is, in fact, a high school dropout. Uh, spoke openly about his battles with alcoholism, domestic abuse, and anger issues, and I imagine that he lost all of those battles. Finally, I did mention, just so you know, uh, so you don't have to repeat this, um, that uh, Hawk uh, neglects to mention in his resume that he has a low IQ, uh, but nonetheless claims a law degree, to which I said he must have either purchased it someplace or threatened to burn down the building that issued the law degrees. Anyhow, that said, Dr. Jake Jacobs, thank you so much for joining us. Well, Mayor, it's absolutely wonderful. I'm telling you what, imagine being the mayor-elect of New York City, Eric Adams, who, by the way, desperately needs our prayers and support. And you've got the audacity of this moron, this leftist Marxist moron, (laughs) who looks into the face of this new mayor, and in essence says, we are coming after you. We have to remember something. He probably patterns, they pattern themselves after the Marxist Black Panthers and the Nation of Islam. You know, they're talking about developing military special forces that, you know, when you really think about it, you hear all this pablum cliches of defund the police and abolish the police by these leftist idiots. Mm-hmm. But the bottom line is what they're really calling for is the replacement of local police forces with a central government federal police force. You could say a federal Stasi or a federal Gestapo. That's what uh, people like uh, Walter Newsom and his ilk are really ultimately all about. I cover that in my book, uh, Mob Rule, because when he was interviewed by uh, Martha McCallum last June, when all hell was breaking loose across the country, and he said, I said, if this country doesn't give us what we want, then we will burn down mm-hmm. this system and replace it. And then he played an Orwellian word game where he says, well, I could be speaking literally, you know, or I could be speaking figuratively. Mm-hmm. Well, we know what the hell he's talking about. It's not figuratively. He means it literally. When he looked at the eyes of mayor-elect of New York City and said what he yeah. said, and then he was out in the streets with his megaphone, in essence, saying we are going to cause havoc if you don't kowtow to our demand. Jake, it must be taken seriously. Jake, where have we gone wrong? An hour ago, I had a guest on. You know, she's running for superintendent of uh, 
uh, of public uh, instruction here in uh, Arizona, uh, a concerned mother, a successful businesswoman, who is concerned about the fact that the school system has failed us, failed our children, and that doesn't bode well for the future. Jake, where the hell have we gone wrong? You know, i got to tell you something. I think any uh, average kid in high school or at least in college should know that when Ronald Reagan spoke about the evil empire, the Soviet Union, the Union of Soviet Socialist Republics, that we all understand that that evil empire was responsible for, you know, the death of 30 million plus people and that Marxism was responsible for the death of 100 million people. Now, why do I say that? Because what we see developing in the United States since I was a kid in the 60s uh, and I was actually taught by you back in the 70s is you see the development of critical theory and then critical legal theory, and then critical race theory Mm -hmm. by the mentor of Barack Obama at Harvard Law School in 1989, Derek Bell, introduced, I'm ashamed to say, in the capital of Wisconsin, Madison, Wisconsin, critical race theory. They are all interwoven, interconnected into a philosophy, a Weltanschauung, a worldview that is very much anti-Judeo-Christian, anti-Republic under God, uh, and, you know, and, and anti really America, and it's infused with profound racism. Not just racism against um, white, racism against anybody they disagree with. So I guarantee you, this uh, mayor elect of New York, uh, Eric Adams, Adams uh, yeah. Eric Adams, yes, mm-hmm. he will become the new black face of white supremacy. No different than the moment somebody doesn't fit their leftist Marxist agenda, you now become the new face of white supremacy. So if you're Mark Levin or you're Ben Shapiro or you're uh, Dennis Prager, you now become the Jewish face of white supremacy if you dare to challenge their narrative. Or if you're a Latino who dares to challenge the narrative, you are the Latino face of white supremacy. This is what they do. They, I, call, I say to my, my audience all the time, they Alinsky you. Remember, Saul Alinsky was the mentor of Hillary Clinton. She did her undergraduate dissertation on him. She met him. She adored him. That man, in essence, said Lucifer was the first radical. That man used to hang around and learn in the streets of Chicago from the mafioso Frank Nitti. This is how vile, how vicious, how hell-bent they are, ultimately, on really destroying the heavenly values of this great republic we have, under God Almighty. So let me ask you, I'm sorry, let me ask you the obvious. You were completely right. Everything you say is absolutely spot on. So why are we in the minority? Why is it, and even among ourselves, I mean, Jake, you know, you, you know, we we, we might not like labels. You're a conservative voice. You're a powerful conservative, a patriot, someone who loves freedom, someone who cherishes freedom. Why is it, one would think, that the truth would be sort of self-evident, and it isn't. It isn't self-evident. We actually, you've got to do what you do, and I try to do what I do, in order to preach the obvious, and we don't always succeed. Why? Mayor, we don't have, you know, we have critical race theory, but we don't have critical thinking in American educational institutions anymore. Jake, that's exactly, I'm sorry, that's exactly what we were speaking about uh, 20 minutes before you joined us, but go ahead, I'm sorry, thank you. No, no, this, this is absolutely the point. And, you know, uh, the first time I ever stepped into a classroom was in Tempe, Arizona, 1977. And I was taught by professors such as yourself and many other great thinkers like Dr. Lowenberg how to critically think, how to learn to discern, how to trust but verify. 
to be able to under to check your sources and what we've had in American education, especially with the Frankfurt Marxist school, and they call themselves progressives, but they're absolutely regressive. They're not progressive exactly. in the sense of the term, but regressive education has always had to create a world of oppressors and a world of the oppressed. Paul Linsky and, and, and Herbert Marcuse, and of course uh, his students, Angela Davis, the god, the mm-hmm. godmother of Black Lives Matter, right? The Marxist right, godmother she's, of Black Lives right, Matter. Right, she's popular they, once again. Mm-hmm. Oh my! Oh, she, trust me. And I, I took her on four or five years ago, right here in my hometown, when she dared to come here and started to uh, attack. Uh, those of us in the state of Wisconsin as being nothing but a bunch of racists, et cetera. But the whole point is is that these these movers and shakers in the education system, you know what's so bizarre about these individuals is many of them, they came over from Europe in the 30s. They transplanted into Brandeis and Columbia, University of yes, Madison. Yes, yes. They went to Berkeley. They went to University of California, San Diego. Angela Davis was one of the students of these people. And before you know it, they're in a country that they say is deplorable and horrible and oppressive, and yet they have more freedom of speech, freedom of academia than ever before, and they begin to teach their leftism, their repressive tolerance, where they, they teach their students, we accept all ideas except those ideas we disagree with, and those <laughs> ideas we will destroy. Yeah, yeah I mean, you were speaking, speaking about the old guard and everything else. I'm saying this very quickly because we have a commercial break coming up in a minute and a half. Um, but uh, I remember quite well, you're talking about the Black Panthers, Eldridge Cleaver, one of the founders uh, of the Black Panther movement, um, who was uh, convic- convicted and such, became a fugitive, ran away to Algeria, um, where he experienced what uh, Islam was vis-a-vis blacks. I never understood why there was a black Muslim. Uh, Islam is not very kind to the blacks. And after spending um, time there in uh, Algeria, I actually came back and said, I would prefer to be in prison in America rather than live as a free black man in Algeria. I mean, the, the message is quite clear. And exactly what you said, Jake, what happened? The black liberation movement, liberation air quotes, the black liberation movement actually disowned him because he came back having been enlightened. So all of a sudden he became a conservative bad guy. Remarkable. Anyhow, uh, Jake uh, Jacobs, it's a pleasure. I mean, and you've repeated some of the things we've said before, uh, on, you know, before you join us about critical, uh, uh, critical thinking and such. Uh, it's wonderful to have you join us. We have a commercial break. When we come back from the commercial break, we'll pick it up. Thank you. Hi, welcome back. Mayor Jolovitz, sitting with my guest, Dr. Jake Jacobs, an authority on a number of matters, politics and the like, uh, including the, the mindset of the mob. Written a couple of books about that. I want to talk about that in a second. Let me just throw this in very quickly. I'd mentioned to the uh, listeners of this show, I am subbing. I'm subbing for Seth Leibson, and I'll say, as I said before, any attacks on me or my guest, Jake Jacobs, quite frankly, are attacks on science. That needs to be said. Anyhow, <laughs> Middle East Radio Forum, which is a program that I uh, co-host uh, with uh, Attorney William Wolf on Sunday, I offer, when I do my uh, week, I offer a signature opening. And in that uh, signature opening, Jake, I mentioned that we, 
at Middle East Radio Forum, recognize and readily identify, and I say, the struggle between competing civilizations, ideologies, and cultures, between Western values and those dedicated to upending them. And during that same opening, I end with this reminder that to ignore the reality of this clash of civilizations or to frame it otherwise is to be dishonest and that the greatest form of dishonesty is self-deception. How is it that the intelligentsia, the academic element of all Western societies are wrong? They're heading in the wrong direction. Where was the mistake made and what needs to be done to correct it? Well, I got to tell you, Mayor, being in education for so many decades, um, fortunately, I did have good professors at Arizona State. They were in a minority back in the day, but they were developing mm-hmm. uh, my thinking, my critical thinking, my worldview. And it was such that you understood that the reason the United States of America, this republic, was so incredibly exceptional had to do with values that go back to Aristotle, that go back to Plato, that go back to the Hebrew prophets, that go back to Moses, Mm -hmm. that go back to the New Testament, the values that man is made in the image of God, and that uh, there are self-evident truths and realities of the dignity of man, of the holiness of man, and that uh, the ultimate sovereign in the universe is the Creator, our Creator, to quote the Declaration of Independence, who is... uh, who we talk about the laws of nature and nature's God, which is quoted by Martin Luther King's letter from a Birmingham jail. And the point I bring that up is this is dealing with Western civilization, those incredible values that really hold life to be sacred mm-hmm. and hold liberty to be sacred. And therefore, if you unfold the history of the United States, you see that many great men and women in this nation were dedicated to the proposition that all men and all women were created equal. And many, many, many died uh, for that truth, that belief. Unfortunately, uh, there has been infiltrated with American institutions. Remember, it was Gramsci, the Italian Marxist, who Mussolini put in prison back in the 30s, who said, look, you cannot have a frontal attack on Western civilization, on Great Britain, on the United States. They're too much steeped in the Judeo-Christian worldview. They're not going to buy the dictatorship of the proletariat. We have to get them in the culture, in mm-hmm. the classroom. And he said it would, he called it the long march of the institution. Well, when you have those leftists, those Marxists coming over here in the 30s and 40s and 50s, they taught the non-friend friends of Barack Obama, like uh, Bernadine Dorn and Bill Ayers, oh, those boy. Marxists mm-hmm. who wanted to kill millions of Americans, and they disseminated these ideas. They became the teachers of the teachers who became the teachers of the teachers. Mm-hmm. So when I left Arizona, came back to Wisconsin to teach, and I would go to Madison to social studies conventions, I was blown away. They were, they were actually plugging Howard Zinn's work yeah, upon it. Yeah. This guy, as anybody knows, one of the number one selling history books in the country at high schools That's and right. colleges, That's right. was teaching Marxism, was teaching anti-Americanism. And nobody denies the bad and ugly within our history, but, but in essence what these leftists have always done so they could use it as a weapon, the 1619 Project, Black Lives Matter at School Curriculum, the Zinn Project, all these academia uh, curricula, uh, they're trying to, in essence, uh, rewrite American history, twist American history. That's right. To, in essence, destroy 
the greatness of this republic. Right. So this, I've seen it, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, Aaron. I'm sorry. This clash of civilizations that we're both talking about, <coughs> excuse me, between democracies and despots, between free states and, and dictatorships, we see a dehumanization, a devaluation that you've referenced uh, to the virtues and the values that once meant something to freedom-loving people. Today, we see this fraudulent pursuit of a progressive, uh, I've got the air quotes around this, the fraudulent pursuit of a, uh, of a progressive agenda, which is in reality the antithesis of anything that actually brings progress. We are being lied to, and the trouble, I believe, is that too often we, and I'm not talking about you, that we cooperate in perpetuating that lie. We allow it to be spoken. I, I, began, okay. the, I began this broadcast by saying the language is important because language determines the narrative, and the, deter- and the narrative will ultimately lead to the discussion of the debate. And we risk losing it if even the language is incorrect. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Jake. No, no, there's just there's so much to wrap around. So much that you're speaking is truth. You, you remember way back in the 60s when Time Magazine came out with Is God Dead? Yes, yes, you know, of the, course. It was a cover. And, it was a cover. A few years, they came back a few years, well, a few years ago was Is Truth Dead? Correct. And this is what this boils down wait, wait, to. You I, think it's a co- I am sorry, I just have to throw in. Right now, right now, one could say God is saying, Is Time Magazine Dead? But go ahead, I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> It yeah. is. It yeah. is. <laughs> no, but this is ultimately a worldview clash. It's not a coincidence. The Declaration of Independence, one of the most sublime documents ever penned by man, says we hold these truths to be self-evident. Excellent. That all men are created equal, that we're endowed by our Creator with certain unalienable rights. And what we have now is a Belkinshong, a worldview that wants to take away our unalienable rights through the power of the state. Remember, it was Hegel who said that the state is God walking on the earth. And the founders of this country, we understood the tyranny of the state, and we developed a constitutional republic of enumerated, limited powers. And what we're seeing here now is statism. The deep, corrupt swamp in D.C. is the manifestation of statism. And, and by the way, coupled with this, and it's profoundly, by the way, anti-classical liberal, if illiberal, that's why critical race theory is actually anti-liberal, anti-conservative. Right. That is true. But there is, there is you, you talked about how, how so many people know about what's uh, been out in the, in the fight. I would argue the, uh, the blessing in disguise to this whole China virus situation is that literally hundreds of thousands of American parents, I call them citizen parents, have become aware of these masters of deceit who have been lying to their children. The state wants our children. And more and more parents in school boards, yeah. and they're going to curricula meetings, are standing up and saying, Thanks. we can no longer live by your lies, and you're not going to shove this this indoctrination crap into the hearts and minds of my children. Absolutely. There's a counter-conservative revolution happening in this country, Mayor. Good. We have to be engaged in that. Jake, the music in my ear tells me that we're coming up to a break. Uh, We'll have one more commercial break, then we'll have the pleasure of you for one more segment. I will say this before you joined us. I was talking about the, the greatest victim today is, in fact, the truth. The fact that we actually hear people speaking about your truth or my truth, this is your truth, my truth, is it already tells you that there's something terribly, terribly wrong with the world that we live in. Jake, thank you for joining us. Commercial break. We'll come back and have one more segment with you. Thank you so much.
Hi, welcome back. Unfortunately, my last segment with this great guest, uh, but uh, there'll be future days. Um, our guest uh, uh, now, uh, Dr. Jake Jacobs, uh, and, and I'll ask him when I give him the microphone in a minute how uh, people can actually access some of the stuff that he has done, the speeches that he gives. He's a popular speaker nationally, big time. A little perspective, if I may, from my point of view. If you just imagine how much the world has changed, I've, I've heard this elsewhere. Imagine how much the world has changed, our world, just between the years 1900 and the year 2000. And to give a little perspective there, here we go. Chariots were invented circa 2000 BCE, 2000 BCE. And they remained the fastest form of transportation known to man for 3,800 years until trains were developed, actually, in the, in the 1880s. Imagine, the chariot, for 3,800 years, the chariot was the fastest mode of transportation known to man. Then in 1903, we all know, of course, that man invented flight. 66 years later, man lands on the moon. One struggles to comprehend this incredible, incredible, fast-forward world that we live in. It's supposed to be about progress. The chariot, 3,800 years, Man going from flight to the moon in 66. It's supposed to be about progress. And yet, Jake, and I want you to comment about this, if you look back at the last couple of decades, the last number of decades, since good people, some very good people, driven by a proper ideology, fought and prevailed against the very enemies of humanity, one would think that we were, that the existing political order was in fact evolving. And yet, listening to what you say, and I agree with much with all of that you say, I wonder if we're not, if it's not devolution as opposed to evolution. What's happened, Jake? Well, I mean, we've been we've been reiterating and stressing the world of education and of culture, yes, and of indifference and in and in indifference. I think you know most Americans are so busy being responsible and getting out of bed and taking care of working and taking care of their family they didn't see this leviathan monster of the so-called great society where more and more citizens were becoming dependent upon the government and this is the the values base of the, of the democratic party of the leftists you know it's not a coincidence that less than 36 hours after uh, Joe Biden was uh, sworn in as president of the United States that the National Education Association and the American Federation of Teachers actually met in the White House with Dr. Jill Biden. And, of course, we know exactly what that's all about. It's about money and power. Mm -hmm. They do not care about our children. They want to indoctrinate our children. They do not want to teach our children critical thinking skills. And so this relates to, I think, something that, uh, you know, we've been reiterating a number of your probably your guests have been talking about that a num number of us understand. It is an education. It's an education of enlightening, of reaching into the hearts of our youth and letting them know the greatness, the exceptionalness of this country and the price that's been paid by those who've gone before us for us to be free. You know, and right now, this is a time of deceit. We're living within a, what I would call a soft totalitarianism, and in a time of deceit like we're living in, where the media is, is lying to us, where the tech, the big tech uh, tyranny of the big tech, they're lying to us. Now's the time that telling the truth becomes a revolutionary act for us. 
we must stand up and speak out and engage in the culture and engage in the political processes and take back the House and take back the Senate and eventually kick old sleepy Joe the hell out of that house <laughs> and put somebody yeah. who actually believes in classical liberalism and enumerated powers in conservative values. And I'm going to stop Remember, you there right a- there. I'm sorry, Jack. I'm going to stop you right there just because the yep. clock says so. It's a pleasure indeed to listen to you. Um, I once had a hand in uh, the development of your soul, didn't I? Anyhow. Um, <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> wait, uh, Jake, how can people access much of what you've written uh, and, much, and much of what you speak about? It's wonderful. Uh, com. Uh, YouTube kicks me off right away, so I might rumble. Rumble, Jake Jacobs Show Rumble. I have a daily one-hour podcast where I talk about various issues. Um, so that's bottom line, jacobshow.com and Jake Jacobs Show Rumble. Excellent. Uh, you're a voice of clarity, uh, and you're also very – it's interesting because we talk about the virtues of man, generosity and trustworthiness and everything else. I've spoken about this. I've actually done a lecture about the virtues of man. And the one thing that doesn't get enough credit for it, I see the clock ticking, is courage. Courage is one of the – none of the other stuff can be done. Courage needs to be done. Jake Jacobs, Dr. Jake Jacobs, really wonderful to have you join us. I'm looking forward to the next time. Thank you so much. Shalom, Mayor. Thank you for having me on. Thank you. Okay, we have a commercial break. When we come back from the commercial break, uh, I know we have a Rob who's been sitting so patiently. Rob, we're going to get back to you as soon as we come back. Thank you so much. Hi, welcome back, Mayor Jolovitz. Thanking Rob from Surprise, who's been so patiently waiting while I, I do the interview with the guest. Uh, Rob, join us, please. Well, well, thank you, Mayor. And first of all, <clears throat> I want to thank you. You've been doing a great job on the show. Thank Seth you. would be very proud. Thank you. Um, second, second of all, I do listen to you guys on Sundays on the Middle East Radio Forum, and you do a great job there, too. Thank you. Um, I, uh, see, in the interest of full disclosure, I should tell you, um, I, I was a Naval Academy graduate. I, uh, served 20 years on active duty, flew F-14 Tomcats, retired as a commander. And so I, uh, I had sort of a classical education in the sense that, well, this is back in the seventies, in the sense that we learned things that Howard Zinn didn't write about, shall we say. Right. Um, then um, I spent four years or five years as a foreign service officer in the State Department, which <clears throat> I found I was a uh, uh, I didn't quite fit in. And you may know why, because they have a certain culture that is a bit different from you know the military, but, you know, getting results and mm-hmm. things like that. Also, uh, as a, as a sideline, I had actually spent a few months teaching in a Democrat county with a Democrat uh, superintendent with a Democrat principal and learned very early about the influence. Uh, and these people made no, uh, made no doubt about where their political leanings were. So I obviously didn't quite fit in there either. And so I was sort of terminated. So anyway, I'm happily retired now, living in surprise. Um, 
and I do talk to Seth a lot, and uh, we talk about many things. And by the way, it's good to hear that you are another fan of the cows, Phil. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. And it's it, it's a wonderful yeah. it's a wonderful story that people didn't realize uh, how it was done. I do want to say something, and I appreciate everything you just mentioned, and, uh, sure. and, and you know the direction that our world uh, seems to be going. Um, I remember um, years ago, uh, I was born in Israel. I uh, came here when uh, went to Africa and then came here when I was 10 years old. I remember those days where every classroom, and not only then, but every classroom had a picture. Every classroom in America had a portrait of George Washington and also of Abraham Lincoln. That seemed to be the, 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 you know, the duet that we would see on the walls. And there, was a certain yeah. and there was a certain reverence and respect. Years ago, we used to, of course, celebrate Washington's birthday, uh, the, the 22nd yep. of February, and then on the 12th of February, also Lincoln's birthday. Who would have thought if your teacher yeah. then, your fourth or fifth or sixth grade teacher, would have told you then the day's going to come in your lifetime when the two people that we have on every classroom in America are not only going to be taken off the walls, they're going to be vilified. They're going to become the anti-hero. Who would have yeah. possibly imagined that that was where progress took us? And my con- well, and my yeah. concern is I'm sorry my concern is is that we our side has technically surrendered the battle or the fight to the other we've allowed them to offer their nonsense as as well that's their opinion that's as equal to ours and it is not well you're absolutely right and I think you know that's one of the problems I'm much like you I'm a conservative uh, number one and. Uh, that all has to do with the founders, the founding documents, uh, the Constitution mm-hmm. in particular, and uh, the proper interpretation thereof. And I, uh, my concern, and, and I was thinking when you were talking to Siri a couple hours ago, um, it's great that she is going to run for the state public superintendent of public schools, but my concern is greater that you know, we, you even mentioned earlier with your previous uh, guy who is he from Wisconsin, by the no, way? Yeah, yeah, he's yeah, he's from Apple. Yeah, he's from Appleton, Wisconsin. Okay. Well, I was born and raised in Kenosha, so you know I've been following the oh, Rittenhouse yes, case Yes, yes, indeed. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, I I find that the biggest concerns uh, are not just you know I know the Scottsdale uh, chief of the well, I don't know him personally, but. I, I worry about his agenda, but I also worry about the effect of uh, the American Federation of Teachers, mm-hmm. the American Teachers Union, and, and even now, and I didn't even realize this until a couple weeks ago, that there was actually a, na- a National School Board Association, and something tells me they're not exactly conservative nor Republican. Yeah. I, Call uh, me crazy, but yeah. I don't think they are. And so, you know, it's great that we have some people that are willing to, you know, come into the fight at the local level. But you're still going to have to fight all these people who are uh, unionized and who have been sort of directed without thinking too hard. Uh, about voting a certain way. Yeah. Rob, I'm looking at the clock. I'm sorry. I, I First of all, I thank you so much for the patience you displayed and just waiting for this. I also very much appreciate the comments that you're making. Um, I'm just, uh, we've got a commercial break in uh, two and a half minutes. I just want to, uh, while I still have you in the air, I just want to m- make reference to something that we're both obliquely speaking about. George Orwell, of course, the George Orwell. 
in a series of articles that he wrote between 1943 and 1947 that appeared uh, as a column under the byline, As I Please. Uh, now, as I, he wrote for a British newspaper called Tribune, left-leaning. Now, he wrote this on August 4th, 1944. Mind you, August 4th, and obviously he was writing about the Nazis. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read you a very, very short paragraph, and you'll see the significance of what this battle, this war, is really about. Now, this is George Orwell, left-leaning British newspaper, The Tribune, column under As I Please, August 4th, 1944. This is what he wrote. By shooting at your enemy, you're not in the deepest sense wronging him, but by hating him, by inventing lies about him, and bringing children up to believe them, by clamoring for unjust peace terms, which make further wars inevitable, you're striking not at one perishable generation, but at humanity itself. What a powerful comment that this battle, this war we're fighting, isn't about today. It's about tomorrow, perhaps even more. Rob, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Okay. Boy, I'm looking. The clock is ticking. Um... It's almost the end of the show. Uh, I want to thank uh, Seth for the opportunity to speak perhaps to a different audience, uh, even though, as I said, uh, the Middle East is what I always prefer to speak about. And it's not always because I'm happy about it. Generally speaking, I'm quite unhappy about it because the same mistakes that the Western world is making as it applies to America, Israel is making as well. There's no question. Um, I think someone was going to uh, – there was that parallel – the United States now is burdened, uh, is handicapped, is victimized by having an, uh, an administration, left-leaning administration in Washington, uh, run by – well, it's not run by. Let's be very perfectly honest uh, – by a person with the mental ac- uh, acuity of a baked potato. And in Israel, we have a left-leaning government, uh, which now caters to Arab pressures, and it's a disaster on both fronts. The future doesn't bode well here. When we come back, I'm going to have my last uh, three minutes with you people. I'm going to thank you. I'm going to thank Seth, and I'll bid you then farewell. Commercial break coming up. Okay. I was falling asleep. No, I love the music. Mayor Jolovitz joining you for the last segment with Seth, uh, filling in for Seth. Uh, I do want to thank, by the way, uh, before the clock expires, uh, the last two guests that I had on uh, most uh, uh, just a few minutes ago, uh, Dr. Jake Jacobs, just a a wonderful person, uh, and as I mentioned, also quite courageous in making the case that he does. And before him, the hour before him, uh, uh, Sherry uh, Sapir, who's running for office here, wanting to do something about the educational system. They were both talking about, it was the same coin, opposite sides, wonderful stuff. I started to give a quote earlier, and I was cut by commercial break. I have to understand the commercials that I'm used to when I do the broadcast on Sunday are somewhat different than this, and therefore I had to sort of accommodate. Uh, Dean Koontz, the uh, author, um, prolific author, once wrote, and we're talking about, of course, in the case of West, we, I'm talking about here in studio, talking about Western defense. But what he wrote uh, is applicable to the things that we talked about today. He said, in self-defense and the defense of the innocence, cowardice is the only sin. Now, is this quote, in, defense, in self-defense and defense of the innocent, cowardice is the only sin. 
And I was talking about that when I was talking about the fact that all these other virtues that man can possess, in order for them to have meaning, there's got to be courage. When analyzing this world around us, uh, there are too many who we know to be well-intentioned, but who remain either too timid or simply indifferent, and in turn, they remain silent. Uh, and there are same voices that we know are still extant. We just need to find them. And when we find them, we also need to hear them. It was Albert Camus, certainly no conservative, who infamously commented, those who lack the courage will always find a philosophy to justify it. My God, my God. Turn on CNN tonight and hold in front of you that quote from Albert Camus. Those who lack the courage will always find a philosophy to justify it. Sadly, these people surround us. They're everywhere. Holocaust Museum in Washington, D.C. One finds these words of admonition, which are attributed to Yehuda Bauer, who was once Israel's best-known Holocaust scholar. This you find in the walls of the Holocaust Museum. Thou shalt not be a victim, thou shalt not be a perpetrator, but above all, thou shalt not be a bystander. Our message today, as quite often with Seth as well, everywhere we speak, we need to understand that we cannot be bystanders. I thank you for joining me for however long you did during the past three hours, and I wish you all well. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.